Hello and welcome to the Rationable Podcast, your weekly deep dive into how science and critical thinking make you immune to scams, fads and hoaxes. I am your host, Abhijit. Let's dig in. Today we're going to be jumping into what the ketogenic diet is and if it's the best way to lose weight. Now, if you think that this is this entire podcast series is going to be about health, let me remind you, this podcast series is about health, it's about weight loss, it's about fitness, it's also about science, it's about how to test people's claims and figure out what exactly uh, the truth and the facts are behind people's claims. So we're going to be talking about a lot of different subjects, but today... This is the first episode, so I really want to jump into something really meaty. And this is a really good example of how big ideas start trending, about how people tend to believe in not only the idea, but build up a lot of amazing and rather fantastical claims around that idea, even if the idea itself doesn't stand for any of those things. Now, the ketogenic diet has been gaining popularity for many years now. And in fact, it has its beginnings back in the 70s, I think it was. Now, I used to think the ketogenic diet was the ideal way for humans to eat. Then I discovered I was completely wrong. And here's how I figured it out. Let's start at the beginning. At the time I recorded this, I was a fat guy. And that's if you're listening to this many years later, which I hope you are. But if you're just downloading it, and if you've just started listening to this, and if this is 2019, yes, I am a fat guy. I needed to blame something for my weight. I had been blaming myself for so long that it was quite refreshing to be able to blame something else for a while. Like carbs, for example. So I used to believe for quite some time that it wasn't fat that made us fat, but carbs. That cholesterol was great for us and that eating the stuff wouldn't raise our body's cholesterol levels. Everywhere I looked, I saw websites, TED Talks, doctors and fitness professionals talking about keto, ketosis, fat adaptation, and all the other jargon that it's associated with. Calories were not calories. The government was out to fool you because they wanted to make money. Sugar was poison. People who were telling you it's okay to eat carbs are sadistic assholes who are in the pockets of big carb whatever that is. Sweden's butter sales are at an all-time high because, assumably, they believed in low-carb, high-fat diets. Low-carb, high-fat, or LCHF, is another term for diets like keto. So here it was. Your body preferred ketones to carbs. All of this made up my big fantasy. My first step into the ideology was the slow-carb diet as described in The 4-Hour Body by Timothy Ferris. He basically said if you wanted to be fit by working out for just four hours a month, then you needed to go on the slow-carb diet, which prescribes no dairy, fast carbs like bread, rice, pasta, etc., whole wheat included, or fruits for six days a week. Just lots of low-GI uh, veggies, meats, lentils, beans, or pulses. On the seventh day, just go nuts and eat whatever you want. No holds barred. And it worked, at least for a while. It wasn't easy to sustain, but I, it did help me lose a few kilos. With this as a primer, I dug deeper and I found that keto diets had a lot of similarities, but just seemed more extreme. 
For a guy who'd been fat most of his life, this was pretty compelling stuff. Was everything I knew false? Was this the one reason why I had gained so much weight? Could cutting carbs change my life? The answer seemed to be yes, at least to begin with, but I still tried to look at the evidence to the contrary. After all, the most critical ways to test a claim is to prove it wrong. Now before we jump down the rabbit hole, let's figure out what the ketogenic diet really is. Neuroscientist Shelley Fan, PhD, sums it up quite well in her blog in Scientific American. In essence, a ketogenic diet mimics starvation, allowing the body to go into a metabolic state called ketosis. Usually, human bodies are sugar-driven machines. Ingested carbohydrates are broken down into glucose, which is mainly transported and used as energy or stored as glycogen in the liver and muscle tissue. When deprived of dietary carbohydrates, usually below 50 grams a day, the liver becomes the sole provider of glucose to feed your hungry organs, especially the brain, particularly greedy entity, accounting for about 20% of total energy expenditure. The brain cannot directly use fat for energy. Once liver glycogen is depleted, without a backup energy source, humanity would have long disappeared in the eons of evolution. The backup is ketone bodies that the liver derives primarily from fatty acids in your diet or body fat. These ketones, otherwise called beta-hydroxybutyrate, BHB, acetoacetate, and acetone, are released into the bloodstream, taken up by the brain and the other organs, shuttled into the energy factory mitochondria, and used up as fuel. Excess BHB and acetoacetate are excreted from urine, while acetone, due to its volatile nature, is breathed out, hence the characteristically sweet keto breath. Meanwhile, blood glucose remains physiologically normal due to glucose derived from certain amino acids and the breakdown of fatty acids. Voila! Low blood sugar avoided. Now, let's get back to my story. I kept looking for nutrition scientists. I could find a lot of people citing science that supported keto, but I could never find any real scientists supporting it. Where were they? Now, all was revealed in an audiobook I listened to by The Great Courses called Nutrition Made Clear by Roberta H. Anding. She was a registered dietitian and had other degrees. Now, a quick aside, what would be the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist? It's a critical distinction. Now, a dietitian is a person who has studied nutrition and has a qualified degree in it. Usually, they can advise people on what they should eat, optimize their health in conjunction with a doctor's diagnosis and recommendations. Usually, they can advise people on what they should eat to optimize their health in conjunction with doctor's diagnoses and recommendations. A nutritionist, on the other hand, is simply someone enthusiastic about nutrition and doesn't necessarily have any qualifications to provide any credible advice, at least not science-based. I, for example, can call myself a nutritionist because I know quite a bit about food, but that doesn't mean you should believe me, and that's why I always give information from dietitians and then pass it on to you. Also, if you ever see me make a claim that I haven't supported with scientific reference, let me know in the comments and I will provide it. Now back to the audiobook. Roberta Anding put down all the information there is about every food group and all the macros and there was nothing about carbohydrates being bad for you, or fat for that matter, or anything else. The only thing she said you should avoid as much as possible is trans fats, which are a part of hydrogenated vegetable oils, 
but that's for another podcast some other time in the future. In this course, here's what she said about keto. The success of this diet comes from the fact that when most people limit the amount of carbohydrate, they end up decreasing their total calorie intake due to taste fatigue. The initial weight loss is primarily due to dehydration, which does not necessarily reduce your body fat. Low-carbohydrate diets can also cause a significant reduction in lean mass, which reduces your basal metabolic rate. This diet remains credible to some because you can see some improvement in health. The Atkins diet needs more long-term research on overall health risks. From here, I stumbled upon some exercise and fitness scientists who had the same view on the ketogenic diet, which is that it's okay if you find you prefer to eat that way and that it's sustainable for you, but it's not magical. In fact, the long-term weight loss benefits of a keto diet are exactly the same as on a balanced calorie-restricted diet. Let me repeat that for you. Scientifically speaking, the long-term weight loss benefits of a ketogenic diet are the same as a balanced calorie-restricted diet. If you want to find out more about scientific nutrition and fitness, these science and evidence-based fitness proponents are Lane Norton, Sohi Lee, Brad Schoenfeld, Jeff Nippert, Dr. Spencer Nadalski, Michael Matthews, and Brett Contreras. Check them all out. They have fantastic content that's fascinating to read, watch, and listen to, and it's all backed by science and experience. Now, we come back. A lot of people well, make a lot of claims about the keto diet. So let's go through some of the myths that they create. One is instant weight loss. Many people who start the keto diet say that the results are instantaneous, which is impressive. And it's true, but not because you're losing fat, it's because you're losing water. This is because carbs in the form of glycogen bond with water in your body to the ratio of one gram of glycogen holds three grams of water. As your glycogen stores come down, so does your water weight. And in the case of keto, it's a drastic drop. Plus, the metabolic process of producing ketones also results in water loss. So if you want to get to the keto train, make sure you drink lots of water with it. But the long-term effects are no more than a low-fat diet. According to the Diet Fits randomized clinical trial, where they took 609 people and split them into low-fat and low-carb groups and measured their progress over one year, at the end of that year, the differences in the average weight loss between two groups were minute and statistically insignificant. Another myth is that keto can make your brain awesome. If most keto fanatics are to be believed, yes. In fact, the ketogenic diet has been used since the 1920s to effectively treat children with epilepsy. In more recent studies, the diet seems to have helped people with Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease and maybe even bipolar disorder, but these were very small trials for very short periods of time, making them unreliable. Keto fans also claim they get better focus, more clarity, and all-around more awesome brains, but none of this has been studied in clinical settings yet, and taking someone's word for it is just not good enough. Why, you ask? Well, because people can be mistaken. People can imagine they're thinking more clearly when they really aren't. And there's no way to know if they're the ones tripping on something funky while others aren't. 
unless you put everyone in a randomized placebo controlled trial because we need to figure out if that's the placebo effect or not. So, ultimately, we really don't know for sure. We need to study this further, but until we do, we give it a meh be. But insulin, bro! Now, <laughs> a lot of people think that if you stop eating carbs, your insulin levels will drop. Your metabolism will go into high gear and you start burning fat like a rocket engine. But that's been debunked by many studies and is totally bogus. Keto makes you a better athlete, some people say. No, it doesn't. Simple. Many different studies have tested this and the results are either negative or inconclusive. Of course, lots more needs to be understood and more studies are needed, but don't get into keto thinking you'll turn to Usain Bolt or Sachin Tendulkar. Now here are some keto facts. What keto might actually be good for. Brain diseases. The ketogenic diet has proven quite helpful for a variety of neurological disorders with different implications and effects. It's a vast topic, but suffice it to say, if you or a loved one have epilepsy, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, or something similar, talk to your doctor about it before making any dietary changes. A lot of these findings are preliminary or in animal studies, so you should not take them as gospel. However, it has shown a lot of promise in treating epilepsy in children. Always talk to your doctor before doing anything. Within reason, of course. Another thing that ketogenic diets may be helpful for is cancer. Ketogenic diets have been shown to reduce tumor sizes in some cases and slow the progress of the disease in others. And it has also shown no effect in other studies. The bottom line is, we just don't know enough yet. Cancer is complicated and it's not only one disease, but it's also a large group of disorders triggered by different things presenting in different ways and each with different characteristics. No one treatment can be a solution. And if you or someone you love has cancer, please see a doctor and follow their advice. Go to several doctors if you don't trust the first one and make sure you're getting the right treatment regimen. But please do not depend on diets or WhatsApp forwards for your medical information. More on that in a later episode. Diabetes. Now, the ketogenic diet may help in managing blood sugar, at least for the short term, but its long-term effects are still not clear. They do seem to be very helpful. There are some studies which have been involved, but please, as I said before, we don't know how it's going to affect you, so please talk to your doctor. Also, another reason why a doctor might not recommend the keto diet for your diabetes or ma for managing your diabetes is because the ketogenic diet is really hard to adhere to. It's not sustainable for most people. So if you want to live a full, happy life without depriving yourself of anything, talk to him about it and he'll help you figure out a proper diet for your situation and in your context and maybe even get you to talk to a dietitian. Now, the bottom line is we don't know anything for sure yet. The main benefits of the keto diet seem to be the same as a calorie-restricted diet if you lose weight on it. But is it sustainable for you? Is it something you can imagine doing for the rest of your life? Then go ahead and go keto. But for many people, it isn't sustainable. 
and consuming massive amounts of meat and fat have been connected to heart disease and other problems. So it's not something you can do for the rest of your life. So if it's not something you can do for the rest of your life, please don't start. You'll get the same results out of a well-balanced diet that's slightly restricted in calories. If you're wondering where I've ended up, I'm still learning about different tools which I can use to lose weight. Right now, I'm doing a modified version of intermittent fasting, which I'll also explain in a different episode. I'm not a fanatic about it, uh, but it seems to suit my lifestyle and remain sustainable for me. I'm losing weight slowly but steadily and will continue tweaking as I go along. That's what I've learned the hard way though. It wasn't carbs that made me fat. It was the calories. And that's the case for everyone who is overweight. The bottom line is, you need to find something you can stick to and that suits your lifestyle. In other words, the best diet for weight loss is the one you can stick to. So which diet do you follow? Are you reconsidering your position on keto? Do you think I'm wrong? Do let me know. Write into contact.rationable at gmail.com. To check out the blog version of this episode as well as the citations and references used, please go to rationable.wordpress.com. This podcast was written and produced by me, Abhijit, and edited by myself and Liz Wolf. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any comments, ideas, or suggestions, please write to me at contact.rationable at gmail.com or tweet at berationable. Until next time, keep digging deeper and, of course, be rational.